And welcome to season five of my podcast. Today, my guest is Dr. Kate Harcher, the Senior Animal Scientist at Global Food Partners, or GFP, where she helps egg producers transit from cage to cage-free egg production. Kate has a PhD in layer hen behavior and welfare. Prior to working with GFP, Kate worked with the RSPCA Australia. She's also an adjunct lecturer at the University of Queensland. Hi, Kate. Welcome to my show. Hi, Vedanth. Thank you for inviting me to your show. I'm honoured to be a guest on your long-running show. Yeah, this will be really exciting. I've interviewed loads of people from GFP. Yeah, I heard that you interviewed Alyssa and and Jayasima. Yeah. Yeah, very cool. So, Kate, you're an animal scientist. I'm curious to know, what does an animal scientist do? It's funny, actually, when I tell people that I'm an animal scientist, often they think about a person in a laboratory, like experimenting on animals. Um, And I don't do that. Um, I did some research years ago, but I wasn't in a laboratory and I didn't hurt any animals. Um, so the work that I do is mostly giving advice now. So that means I use the latest available science and what we know about the industry, um, about the industry that the animals are kept in to make sure that our organization, GFP, our activities are evidence-based. So I help on some research projects and investigate how we can treat animals better. Um, And I also let GFP know um, basically what the science says and what the industry practices are so that we can help the animals as best we can. That might be a very fun job. You get to research so many fun things. Yeah, it is. I really enjoy the research, actually. Yeah. Of all the animals, why did you choose to study about egg-laying hens? That's a really good question. Um, And chickens might not seem like a very interesting animal to lots of people. Um, To be honest, I got involved kind of by chance as well. Um, So I became interested in and passionate about farm animals' lives when I was in school. I learned about um, how some of them can be treated very badly uh, on farms and in slaughterhouses, and I really wanted to help when I was older Uh, And previously, I did work placements with other types of animals. So I did a work placement um, with sea turtles and conservation in sea turtles. So we helped to move their eggs to safer locations that wouldn't get eaten by foxes. And we studied their behaviour with nesting and their hatchlings, so their babies. Um, And I did some work at an animal shelter with dogs. Um, I worked at a university. Uh, These are all work placements investigating causes of diseases. I worked with wildlife at Sydney Wildlife World with native animals like wombats, kangaroos and owls. Um, And when I was finishing my undergraduate degree, I was choosing my research project for my honours and I was asking about projects on farm animals because I knew that that's what I wanted to work in. Um, There was one on pigs and there was one on chickens 
and the one on the chickens just suited me best. Since my PhD, I've done some other work, like teaching at the university on biology and statistics, but most of my work has focused on farm animals and particularly chickens. But um, I do have to say I'm very glad for this um, and I'm very passionate about my field of work. There are more chickens than any other animals in the world, or land animals at least, not including insects, um, and they do need our help. So I'm very glad that after all of that I did I did decide to work with chickens. In Singapore, if you go to a park or even if you're just walking in some streets, like not the main city streets, but outside of the city, you can see chickens just walking ne- next to you on the sidewalk. Oh, very nice. Yeah. That, Never seen that here. Yeah. Even in the parks, you just see chickens strolling around. <laughs> very nice. Yeah. It's really and yeah. and they don't they don't bite out. They just they they just mind their own business. Oh really? Yeah. Do you, do you hear them in the mornings? Do they crow like the roosters to wake you up? I haven't heard anything, but I don't know, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Why and when did people start raising hens in cages? Basically, it was about 70 or so years ago. Um, and people just realized that if they bred the chickens to lay lots and lots of eggs and they put them in cages, they could just get lots of eggs really easily because the chickens were living in cages and they weren't moving around and they didn't have to go and collect their eggs from different places or, you know, try to manage the chickens. They just were sitting there in the cages. So they basically decided that it would be easier to uh, just put them in small cages. So is that the, where the idea of battery cages came from? Yeah, exactly. So those were battery cages. Um, sometimes they're called conventional cages, but they're just very small little structures and people put lots of hens in them so they don't have much space to move around uh, and there's nothing really to do in the cages. There's just feed and water um, that throughout the feed is sort of in a trough outside the cage so that hens sort of stick their heads out of the cage and that's basically all there is to do. Um, so it doesn't sound like a very interesting life for them. But, yeah, that's um, that's where battery cages started to be used. Yeah. That's sad. Yeah. Yeah, it's not a nice way to, um, if you had if you had a pet, a pet chicken, you probably wouldn't put it in a tiny cage like that, would you? I wouldn't. No. If I had a pet chicken, I'd probably rip the sofa up into pieces. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. What kind of suffering do hens go through in those tiny little cages? Yeah. Well, since, like I said, there's nothing in the cage, there's some water and, you know, some food, um, but nothing else. And they don't have much space to move. Uh, So they just really, it's barren and they really don't have enough space to move around properly. So they can't walk around and explore their environment. They don't have anything to, you know, peck at, to explore. They can't perform their normal behaviours. Like they really don't have enough room to move, to like to turn around or to flap their wings like a normal chicken. Um, So it's quite boring. Um, And they also, because they can't move around much, they get very weak. So their muscles are very weak and their bones are very weak. Sometimes, well, a lot of the time their bones can break as well. Um, so it's just a very a very boring life, really. 
Um, and, you know, if you can imagine living in a cage your whole life, there's not many good experiences that they can have. So, um, yeah, it's essentially just quite a boring, sad existence. Yeah. But if he, if a human gets put in a cage, which is basically prison, you still have space to move around. Yeah, I mean, it depends on the size, really. <laughs> the, um, yeah, exactly. Like the poor chickens just don't have enough space to even, yeah, lift up their wings properly. So it's, yeah, not um, not very nice. What, what are you doing to help these hens? So... I know that you know lots about Global Food Partners already and you've spoken to a couple of us already. Um, so you know that we do a lot of work helping farmers in Asia to learn about how to keep hens better. Um, so we learn, we teach them about what good farms are like and how to treat the hens. Um, and we also let companies know that they need to buy eggs from higher welfare farms, so better farms that are doing the right thing. And through my work as the scientist um, and something that I've done previously is an important thing is to raise awareness. So really help the farmers and they want to do the right thing, help them learn how to, um, to manage their farms, how to run the farms well, to make sure that the chickens are well looked after. And it's also good for people who are buying eggs to understand what they can do um, to buy higher welfare products um, and also just, you know, other people like researchers or other people in the in industries like, um, yeah, food companies buying eggs. So we do a lot of work to let people know basically what they can do better. And like I mentioned as well, um, one of my roles is to do some research to understand um, how the hens are treated at the moment and also what they need so that we can we can make sure that we provide it. Is there an ish, a big issue with the way we raise these hens? Yeah, so on cage farms, they, like I said, they don't have much room to move around and they have um, lots of health and behavioural issues from that. But also on cage-free farms, people are still learning how to do it properly because, you know, like they haven't done it for a long time or the farms are so big that they're still learning about the farms. So we help them understand the chicken's behaviour, um, certain diseases that they might get, uh, how to, you know, get good egg production on these cage-free farms. So we're really helping them to understand the chickens and understand the farms better so that they can, yeah, have high, high welfare farms. What about other animals? What are the problems with how we raise other animals for food? Hmm. Another really common farm animal um, that also needs help is uh, the pig. So pigs are very intelligent and they're often kept similarly in very barren environments. So they don't have really things to keep them interested or to explore. And they can also have injuries and have quite stressful times during their lives. Uh, so this is just one example, but, you know, there's lots of other animals that need the opportunity for better lives. So, you know, cows, fish, and basically any animal that we as a society raise for food, um, there's welfare issues in all industries that can uh, can be improved. And, of course, 
different farmers do things differently and some are quite good and they want to do things better. And then other farms, things might not be as good on those farms. So there's lots of different animals and, um, yeah, we sort of do our best and try and, you know, like I said, with chickens, there's so many of them that really need help. So we're focusing on chickens right now, but so many other animals like like those other ones um, also have issues in their in their lives. I feel really bad for all the animals like cows, pig, fish, chicken who have to go through all those things like sitting in cages just just to get just so that humans can get food. Yeah, yeah, it is it is quite sad. So hopefully in future we can um, learn how to do it better and people can can treat them better. And have better I've, always, I've always had this this question why, why do we need to kill animals for food or raise them in such horrible ways? If we have so many plants that give us food, like berries and rice and all of those stuff, why do yeah. we need to kill animals? Yeah, and there are lots of people that live perfectly healthily without any animal products. Um, but there are a lot of other people that do like to eat animals. And something that's um, happening more and more is companies producing meat without animals as well. So meat that's made from vegetables or meat that's made from animal cells. So there's no actual animals that are farmed. And it seems like that will happen more and more. So um, my husband, Dean, that you spoke to uh, on one of your earlier seasons, he works for um, GFI. So we're helping to yeah, develop those industries. And that's an exciting area so that, you know, we can help people that want animal products to still get those products, but they don't need to hurt the animals to get them. Yeah. And also, like you said, eating animals can get you a bit sick. If you, because if you eat plants, I think you have like a better chance of being healthy, right? Um, yeah, I mean, there's food safety issues with, with animal products, definitely. Um, so people need to be careful about the animal products that they eat and, um, yeah, eating them properly, not eating too much of the animal products as well, because in some countries people just eat a lot and a lot of animal products, um, which probably isn't a good thing and leads to, you know, so many animals in these farms and in these industries um, that are quite intensified now. What can my listeners and also me, what can we do to help animals and hens and other things? Yeah, that's a really good question and something that we were just talking about. Um, so I think something that's important is for people to learn about the different types of products, so the different brands that are selling the animal products that they like and try and choose products to buy that have good welfare and um, good conditions on the farm. So sometimes this means that the product is approved by a welfare organisation or it might be cage-free, things like that. And I think it's also good to keep up to date with, you know, local animal welfare groups. Sometimes they will say, please write to your politician or, you, you know, a newspaper about this particular issue. And it can be good to keep informed to learn about what we can do um, in, you know, our different countries and our different 
areas for animals. And um, definitely in Australia, maybe not so much in Singapore, another way people that are just um, choosing to help is to have their backyard, uh, their own backyard chickens. So they don't want to necessarily buy eggs anymore. So they have um, chickens in their backyard for eggs. <laughs> so I don't have that, but some people are choosing to do that more and more here. What did you want to be as a child? Um, when I was younger, I it's quite different actually, but I really loved art and I think I wanted to be an artist. Um, I love art and, you know, creative things. So I um, ended up choosing animal science because I, I did like science um, also with, while I was growing up um, and thought that it would be a way that I could contribute to helping animals. Um, but I do really like art and I, um, I should do art, you know, separately as a hobby because um, I think that's what I thought that I could be when I grew up. And what made you choose to study animal science? Well, it's not really something that I was planning on doing. I knew I wanted to help farm animals, but I didn't know how. And something, you know, I was always quite interested in science and good at science in school. So I thought that that could be a way that I, I helped animals. So people, other people choose to make documentaries or study law like your dad did. Um, but for myself, I, I thought I would do science. So, um, yeah, and then I studied more and did, you know, research afterwards to become more involved in the issue. And, um, yeah, so that's where, where I am today rather than being an artist. What are your hobbies? Well, uh, I'm lucky enough to live near the ocean and I love swimming in the ocean. So I do that quite a lot. Uh, I also do some yoga and I have a lovely uh, a greyhound. She's rescued from the greyhound racing industry. So I take her on walks and I like to pat her and be with her. And I love to socialize and see my friends. Those are my, my main hobbies. Swimming in the ocean sounds pretty fun. I love swimming too, but I haven't yet done it in the ocean. Oh, you'll have to come visit Sydney. I can take you to the ocean. It's beautiful. Lots of fish to look at. Oh, nice. Yeah. I'm excited. Definitely. Great. Looking forward to it. Thank you so much for coming on my show. It was my pleasure, Bedant. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, you're welcome. This is this was fun. Yeah, definitely. Dear listeners, follow my Facebook page, Curious Vedan, to get updates on my upcoming episodes. To listen at leisure on your phone and get notified about future episodes, subscribe by searching for Curious Vedan wherever you get your podcasts, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and many more. You can also listen to my show on CuriousVedant.com. Thank you for listening to Curious Vedant. And don't forget to rate and leave comments. 